0: Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of the SQ Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Sales. So, here we are my first episode in uh, quarantine college, kind of. What's the date today? The Saturday the 16th. I've been here for a little over a week now. It's, it's been very, very weird um, having all these classes online and everything like before, but I'm actually here where everything is, so it's certainly something to get used to. I don't have a ton of online classes, so it's not too much of an adjustment, um, but it is is—it is still a little bizarre just seeing the campus, kind of the format of the way it is and everything. Um, so, I mean, I, I've been trying to get around, like, not, or not trying to get around, but, like, trying to make up for the fact that I can't, like, be around people as much before. I'm going outside a lot. Uh, a lot of people have been hanging out outside, actually, which has been pretty cool to see because before it wasn't always like that, like, especially late at night and stuff, but a lot of <clears throat> been going on a lot of walks and stuff. Uh, I started watching Parks and Rec uh, like right before I got here, and that's been pretty good so far. I tried to watch it. Um, what was that? Maybe like a couple months ago. I watched the first episode, and I hated it, and I didn't want to watch it again. Um, but I was told that they just they tried to hard in the first season to emulate The Office, which I definitely feel that, especially considering the creators were the creators of The Office. Um, so I just powered through and then I started the second season. I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, I was telling somebody yesterday, it's, it's very interesting. Like I can totally understand now why when Chris Pratt was cast as, uh, Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy, like why that was so weird. Cause I mean, before I didn't have any connection to, it. I didn't really care because I never watched Parks and Rec. So now I, I see that and it, it is very bizarre that he was able to make that transition from Andy Dwyer to, uh. Oh, what is Star-Lord's name? Uh, I don't remember. Star-Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much it. I've been playing a lot of Mario Kart lately, too. Which is nice. I guess I forgot that people still play that. So, having people to do that with has been pretty fun, too. Um, but yeah, that's that's how my life's going here, I guess, for now. Um, had a, a For the people that aren't, I, I know most of the people that listen to this aren't don't go to Notre Dame or anything, but we had a couple, uh, we had a, a little spike in cases a couple days ago. But uh, things have been better the last few days. I think they're, Notre Dame is starting to up their uh, testing and tracing protocols and everything. So hopefully things will be a little bit better going forward. Um, I'm not one to predict uh, hope or doom anywhere, but I mean, things seem to be trending in the right direction just objectively. Um, yeah. So I, wanted, I was going to do uh, like a section on like Notre Dame joining the ACC and kind of like what's going on with the conferences and everything. But with, what was that, last week, the Big Ten and Pac-12 deciding to cancel their seasons, I figured I should probably wait just in case the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 also decide to cancel their seasons. So I figured I'm going to wait another week or two and see what they do. And then if they keep going, then I'll be happy to start previewing college football and stuff. But until we get to that point, I just want to make sure. I don't want waste to a, waste a segment on something that uh, I don't need to do. I just dropped a penny, and that was really loud. I don't know if you guys could hear that, but my mic picks up. Everything. Um, yeah, so here we go. I'm going to do the NBA playoff preview that I wanted to do. And we're going to go ahead and get started. Here we go. Very excited to finally be talking about playoff sports again on the podcast because it's been a while. Um, yeah, so this is going to be really fun. Uh, I-, I hope at least because the I broke it down between the East and West. But the East is certainly not as interesting this year, I feel like, as the West. So I hope the, the time split isn't, like, too lopsided in terms of the West. But, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, I was I was writing down notes earlier today for this podcast, and I was looking at the East, and I just do not care about so many of these games in the first round, at least. It is just going to be absolutely brutal. Yeah, so if we're going to start with Milwaukee and Orlando, like, like, I have nothing to offer about Milwaukee, Orlando. No, like, I, I, there's nothing to talk about with Milwaukee, Orlando, because... We all know that Milwaukee is going to steamroll them. I mean, Orlando's already out. Jonathan Isaac, and I mean, I'm not a big Mo Bamba guy, but he's gone too. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just don't know. I don't know how much trouble Milwaukee's going to have at all with this. Same thing with uh, Toronto, Brooklyn. I mean, especially considering Brooklyn literally is down with their six best players. And Toronto is Toronto. I think Toronto's going to be really, really good, actually. Um, I mean, it, it is up to Siakam. Siakam needs to score consistently. Like, I mean, there was a, a while there in the regular season where he was doing very, very, very well. Like, uh, like above average NBA star like scoring level. And then he's kind of dropped off since. And, I mean, they really need that, though, because Kyle Lowry, I don't really think he'd be your first offensive option and win you a ton of deep playoff games. I mean, obviously, Kyle Lowry's very good. And I, I my opinion on Kyle Lowry has changed significantly over the last, like, two or three years. But he can't be your number one scoring option. Siakam needs to do that, and he needs to do that more consistently. Um, but, I mean, for obviously that's not going to be a problem against Brooklyn. Same thing with Milwaukee. Um, Giannis needs to – and I don't, I don't know how realistic this is for this year, but they need to get Giannis just more and more comfortable in the half-court offense because they're going to have to do it more. It's what cost them against uh, Toronto last year. And I guess there's not a ton of uh, optimism that that's really changed too much Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out too, especially, you know, without Malcolm Brogdon, more of the load has to be shouldered on him and Chris Middleton. And again, not a problem in Orlando, but just something to look forward, like something to watch in general, uh, is these teams that try and force more and more Milwaukee to slow down and just operate like a, a more normal, uh, team in the half court, as opposed to just running all over the place, jumping over people because you're like the most athletic person on the planet. Um, yeah, that that's all I got for you on those two. I, there's just, I, you know what? I I don't need to explain myself. for Those those are pretty self-explanatory. Um. All right. Next up is Boston Philly. Again, okay, this one honestly shouldn't be too exciting either, but I'm going to talk about it because I'm a Philly fan. So I'm sorry, but, um, so I mean, I think Embiid should do pretty well individually. Uh, obviously, uh, Daniel Tice is not something I'm going to be too worried about in terms of Joel Embiid. Getting his numbers and everything, but besides that, just with, with Ben Simmons gone, I'm I'm really not sure what uh, can be expected of the Sixers here. Um, I mean, the Celtics just have so many good scoring wings. Obviously, Jason Tatum, King among them, King among them, and without Ben Simmons there to guard him, you're automatically putting what Josh Richardson or Tobias Harris on them on him, who I'm already not super comfortable with as like up and down defenders. And then you have all these other guys, you have Jalen Brown, you have Gordon Hayward. Like it, there's just, there's too many guys, not even to mention, not to mention Kimball Walker. And I mean, the Sixers never really had a ton of good perimeter defenders other than Simmons anyways, but they just, they have no defensive depth without Simmons. Like they're already going to be overtaxed there. And, and they also, they, I mean, I've been complaining about it all year, but they really don't have any other playmakers now that Simmons is gone. Like, I mean, Shake can do it a little bit. And I think Simmons probably was better off playing more as a power forward who would take the ball during the uh, full court stuff and everything. But uh, he's still the, their best playmaker. And the drop from him to Shake Milton is pretty steep. Alec Burks isn't exactly going to be getting anything done. So... Uh, in terms of playmaking, Alec Burks has actually been very solid in the bubble in terms of just scoring and shooting, which they desperately need. But they just they have nothing else. Like they they really don't. I mean, they're just kind of whatever at this point. I mean, Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson have just been way too up and down offensively. And Al Horford's actually played decent in the bubble, but again, like it's just gonna. It's very very weird. It's a very weird fit between Embiid and Horford especially now that Simmons is gone, like you're going to be playing Embiid more minutes and Horford at power forward is already a little weird. I guess Embiid and Horford with somebody else that isn't Simmons isn't terrible, but it's still kind of weird. Like you'd probably, you'd rather have Horford at the center at the five and you really don't need need that as much in the playoffs with Embiid. So it's not, it's not going to be a fun series. It's, it's really not. I mean, maybe Philadelphia can challenge them for a game or two, but I don't really expect this to be all that competitive of a series. Uh, it's very, it's very disappointing, uh, as a Philly fan. Um, I mean, even with Ben Simmons, I think they were going to be a really frustrating team to watch, but still, I think that their ceiling was much, much higher with Ben Simmons. I'm really, I'm, it's, it's, uh, quite unfortunate that they could not, uh, keep him healthy for the playoffs. Obviously not his fault or anything, not the coach's staff, not the coaching staff's fault or anything, but something's wrong with Philly. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they start shaking things up in the off because, I think the way the team has been built the last couple of years has just not been conducive to fitting around your two stars. And that needs to change. But I guess we'll see. So, oh, man, I'm like – I hope I didn't sound like terribly depressed in the middle of that. But I am just not happy with how the, the bubble has gone for the Sixers. Um, yeah, that, I don't want to talk about that anymore. That's making me sad. Uh, all right, so into the, the only real interesting matchup in the East in the first round so far is Indiana versus Miami. And I'm very curious to see how this one's going to go because there's a couple of things about both teams that worry me a little bit. I'll start with Miami just because people people really really like Miami. I had a, a friend of mine tell me today that he thinks Miami's going to win the East, which uh, surprised me a little bit. It's like 100 degrees in here. I had to turn the fan off, both the fans off because yeah, you could hear them in the background. <clears throat> here we go. Um, but Miami makes me nervous a little bit because they've been giving really heavy minutes to Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, and Duncan Robinson who have never been in the playoffs before. Well, I know Duncan or I know Nunn and Hero haven't been. I'm pretty sure Duncan Robinson has also never been in the playoffs before. I'm going to check that really quickly. But so I mean, we see we see all the time these young guys coming to the playoffs and they just they need to get their sea legs. Like it's just it's a totally different game of basketball. Compared to uh, when you talk about the defensive uh, intensity and everything <clears throat> and the spacing, it's a totally different game. And I think like, it's not something these guys are going to be able to just adjust to on the fly. So I've got here we go. I have Kendrick Nunn playing 29.3 minutes a game. Harrow's playing 20. Is it Harrow? Hero? I don't know. Tyler Harrow <clears throat> playing 27.4 minutes a game. Duncan Robinson is at 29.7 minutes a game. This is his first season. So they have. Three rookies playing roughly 30 minutes a game for both of them. And they've been heavy contributors. Like, they've, they've been very good. I'm not trying to diminish their accomplishments here. I mean, Nunn's averaging 15. and Harrow and Robinson are both averaging 14. And Robinson's just been shooting the crap out of the ball lately. What are shooting stats, actually? Let me see that. Duncan Robinson has been shooting 47% from the field. Not too bad. 44.6% from three. There you go. 93.1% free throw shooting. That's, that's insanity. Um, and I mean, I just don't, I, it makes me nervous just thinking that those guys are going to have to replicate those stats, um, to keep this team as good as it was just cause again, they're rookies. Like they don't, this isn't exactly, uh, or this is uncharted waters for them. You know, this isn't something they've done before. And I don't know how confident I am that like an older Andre Iguodala is suddenly going to pick up all this slack for them in regards to like, cause those three, those are three guys in their rotation that if they start struggling a little bit, that totally changes the dynamic of this team because they're actually like integral parts. Like they're not the eighth and ninth man on the team. So they make me nervous a little bit. Additionally, Jimmy Butler has been a very interesting player this year in that he, he started shooting really poorly from three against Philly last year or in Philly last year after he, he didn't break his wrist, but he did, he did something to his wrist and the three point shooting was never the same after that. I mean, like it took a noticeable dip in Philly to the point where it was basically impossible. It was going to be impossible to play him, Simmons and Embiid all together all the time because the shooting was just so bad that people were actually starting to ignore him a little bit. And this year he effectively cut three pointers out of his diet. He shot 2.1 threes a game at 24.4%, which like props to him for uh, kind of like Westbrook, you know, like you're not shooting well, so just don't take them, which I can respect. But he's also, essentially just like a, a majority of his production has started to just come from driving and just getting free throws. He is attempting 9.1 a game. He's averaging like eight. He makes like eight a game and he's at, he's averaging 19.9 points a game. So that's, it's not half of his points, but it is a sizable portion of his points. And as we've seen before, and obviously I'm not saying Jimmy Butler's as good as Harden or Harden still does this, but We've seen in years past when Harden really started going to the foul line a lot that that would kind of hurt him in the playoffs because the refs would swallow their whistles more and it became harder for him to uh, drive as effectively as he used to because he was just going for fouls all the time. So the heat, they, they concern me a little bit just because of those things that I don't know are totally sustainable in the playoffs. Now, the Jimmy Butler thing may totally prove me wrong, the rookie thing, I, that, I don't really think that's going to go away for me at all throughout this playoffs. I just don't – like, again, these guys are new. They haven't done this before. Like, I just I, – I, I'm not—I'm never going to bank on a bunch of young guys figuring it out and playing really, really well in the playoffs, like, in a big role. I'm just not going to. Um, and I don't think that's unreasonable. Uh, but so, on the other hand, while Miami has those things, Indiana, they just – they lack a base scoring punch anyways, even if you get – rid, like – ignoring the fact that Miami has all these guys that may not do as well in the play in the playoffs. They still just have like a base level of like very good offense. You know, they have Bam at a bio and all those guys um, and Goran on but Indiana just, they don't have that top level scoring right now that I think is going to be able to help them push through uh, some of these good teams that they would have to play in the East. Um, TJ Warren obviously was like absolutely ridiculous in uh, the first couple of games here, what it was the first five or something like that. But just since then, he's, he's certainly regressed a lot. I don't think he played the last game, but the game against Miami, he was terrible. Um, and then he was okay the next game, but certainly he wasn't like Michael Jordan, TJ Warren. <laughs> um, And I think they kind of need that because Oladipo has been a little inconsistent in his return because I mean, that's just, that's what happens when you come off of an injury like that. And Jeremy Lamb's already gone. They don't have a ton they just don't have a ton of uh offensive initiators right now. Uh Brogdon's, Brogdon's back, which actually helps him quite a bit. But I mean, w- without Oladipo being all-star Oladipo, you really need someone else to step up. And I don't necessarily think TJ Warren is that type of dude right now. And I I don't like to get into the drama and all that stuff in the NBA because I really just do not care about that stuff. I like the Paul George, Damian Lillard beef on Twitter. I just, I could not ignore fast enough, but I I tend to be in the minority with that in the NBA, I think. But um, there does seem to be a little thing there with TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler that perhaps causes TJ Warren to not play as well. So that, that may be something to consider as well. Um, But so, like I said, like the offense, so those things both make me kind of nervous, but then just looking at the rest of it, Um, I think Miami has a clear advantage in the fact that like, they like to run a lot of zone and it's, it's very, very weird. Like a lot of teams have a ton of trouble with it. I mean, we see them, I, they've beaten Milwaukee a couple of times. They are such a pain to Milwaukee. Um, and they, they, you know, they like beating up Boston too. Like it's, it's a very, very bizarre, uh, defensive scheme compared to a lot of the rest of the league. And I think that Indiana in that regard is really, really going to miss Sabonis because obviously his, you know, he's a great passer for big man and I think you need a guy like that who's going to be able to pass at the elbows uh more consistently and help kind of run your offense through into the middle of that zone uh especially when you have guys that aren't as good just like one-on-one spot creators like the Pacers necessarily don't have right now um, so having having not having Sabonis kills them that actually is why I was really disappointed that Simmons got hurt because I was hoping that they could play Miami in the first round the Sixers and Simmons as a power forward would have been very, very interesting because you could play him from the elbow more, and then his obviously his passing ability is on ma- not on match—but he, he's one of the best passers in the league. It would have been very interesting to see how they play that Miami zone defense when Simmons is at the elbow and able to make all those quick reads, as opposed to Tobias Harris or Embiid being in that spot. That would have been very, very interesting, I thought, but didn't happen. So, you know, um, but just so in the end of the day, in, at the end of the day you know, uh, the heat make me, they make me nervous a little bit like long, I think, but I think that's more of a, a long-term, like deeper in the playoffs thing. I think for now though, they're just, they're more talented enough than Indiana where they're going to be able to do some stuff that Indiana just won't be able to handle. So I'm going to pick Miami. Um, as and By the way, if I didn't make it clear, I'm picking Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston before. I don't remember if I explicitly said that, but I think the, the East is going to be pretty uneventful i think the indiana versus miami could be kind of close like that could go like six games maybe that wouldn't really surprise me but um the the other three games those should be resolved pretty quickly i would say so that's the east i'm more excited to talk about the west so we are going to hear a word from our sponsors and then we're going to go into the west And now we get to talk about more fun teams in the West that actually play, or not the more, the, I can't talk. Um, the more fun teams in the league that actually play solid basketball for the most part. So, start off, I'll just go like I did the same orders last time. So, let's start off with the Lakers versus Portland. Um, I imagine uh, Dame and uh, CJ McCollum should actually do pretty well for the most part. Uh, obviously, LeBron isn't going to be guarding either of those two. And I'm not in love with the Lakers' depth of uh, perimeter defense given uh, what Alex Caruso is probably like your number one or number two defensive option for them. Um, so they should still do pretty well like they have been the whole time. But I just – Portland's model is not sustainable against actual good basketball teams. Um, they have won bubble games by – their last couple of games by three, three, one, and 4 uh, Dame keeps going out of his mind – and McCollum will occasionally have a a very, very good performance and their offense does really, really well, but their defense is terrible. Like it is, it is atrocious. It it, it is, it is so bad. Like not to mention, obviously Dame and McCollum are already not good perimeter defenders. Like they're just not, and you can't, I don't think you're really ever going to have a ton of success against like the truly good teams when you're, uh, starting backcourt is that poor defensively, but there's an ESPN ad playing. I hope you guys didn't hear that. Um, But besides their backcourt, not having a ton of good defense, your front court rotation is mellow Zach Collins, Yusuf Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside. Who's excited about that defense? Not me, (laughs) not at all. Uh, I mean, obviously Nurkic is pretty good, but, I mean, everyone else is essentially just turnstiles at this point. I mean, Hassan Whiteside will have like two blocks a game where you're like, oh my God, he's so good at defense. And then you watch the rest and you're like, oh, he doesn't move at all anywhere else. So yeah, that's, that's going to be a problem going forward, especially when you have somebody like Anthony Davis, who doesn't like playing center. So he might not necessarily be going up against Yusuf Nurkic all the time. That's a problem. feels like a little bit. Um, And especially, I mean, LeBron too, is just going to be able to do whatever he wants. Like he's, because he's not going to get guarded by Dame or McCollum with the point guard thing, and I mean, I'm Gary Trent Jr. I'm sure will do whatever he can to bother LeBron. But I mean, I I just don't I don't imagine that's going to be much of a, an issue for LeBron here. Um, I mean, looking at Portland's roster, they have two plus defenders. Or Portland's roster, not LeBron's roster roster. They have Yusuf Nurkic and Gary Trent Jr. Those are their two plus defenders. Everyone else is at best below average defensively. Collins is kind of inconsistent with it. Everyone else is poor, like just poor defenders and that you, you can't be, you can't have a roster full of poor defenders against a team like the Lakers. You just, you cannot do that. I, I really don't think the series is going to be that competitive. I mean, the game, some of the games that these guys were just sweeping by, I mean, they beat the nets by one carousel vert, put up what, like 40 something on them. Uh, they barely beat the Grizzlies in the play-in game. Um, they had a couple, they had a couple good wins. Like I, I'm not trying, like this team is, this team is good, but when they play like other good teams, the, the model, it just, it doesn't work. Like there's only so much Dame and CJ McCollum can do with the team that they have, especially considering they're not good defenders. It's just, it's not happening. Um, and you know, I go back and forth on the Lakers sometimes just cause I'm not totally sure if they're going to be legit, but. And, you know, for all of their offensive woes in the bubble, if there's a team where you can get away with having those woes or get rid of them and, like, get back into a groove, it's against a team like Portland. Like, I, I just I don't think the Lakers are really going to have much trouble here. So I will go with the Lakers. Big surprise, I know. All right, next up we have the Clippers versus Dallas. Um, I think this could be a, a fun series. Like, I think Dallas is a, a good, fun team to watch. I think uh, Dallas isn't, they're not really built to take advantage of uh, the Clippers' deficiencies inside. You know, like I've, I've said this multiple, multiple times. Montrezl Harrell is a great player, but when he is essentially like your starting center for the most part, like your crunch time center, like you just don't, you know, you don't have a ton of, uh, you don't have enough size inside to really stop the teams that have like big players. And I mean, Porzingis is one of those big players, but he just, he doesn't play like a guy like Embiid or Anthony Davis would. Like he can't. He just—he's not strong enough to really abuse people inside like that. I mean, I, I think he'll still do well because he can still shoot over Harold pretty well. But in terms of like, you know, like getting a, a ton of offensive rebounds and really opening things up more by forcing LA to account for the paint more and everything, I don't think that's something that Dallas is really going to be able to do just because they don't have a, a guy like that who will. I mean, they have Boban, but uh, Boban obviously would get run off the floor pretty quickly in a playoff scenario, as we've seen in the past. Um, I think Luca Luca should be able to – well, you know, I say that, and then he's going to be guarded by Kawhi and Paul George. So it doesn't really seem like he's going to be able to do much, Willie. I guess like like with the Heat, I'm also a little nervous because this is the first time Porzingis and Luca have been in the playoffs. Now, they're not rookies, so maybe they'll have a little bit better time of it than those guys would. But, I mean, it's still their first time in the playoffs. They still have to adjust a lot. And the Clippers have – how many different guys that they can throw at Luca to really give him a challenge, make him work for it. I think um, if he's, if he's able to uh, drive into the paint with some consistency, rather than just trying to go for the step back threes, cause he can't move. I think that would be interesting because like I said, like he should be able to get pretty good looks at the basket. And then that would in turn be able to help his uh, kicking abilities better because they have to just account for the rim more, but you know, it's It's going to be hard when you're going up against two of the best wing defenders in the league. Um, so I, I think, I don't think they're going to struggle necessarily, but it's, it's going to be a step down from what they usually play. And I just think that this Clippers team is really, really good. I think they're weird in that they have so many guys that really aren't distributors, but they're all kind of their own different ISO creators. It, it, it is very interesting to watch this team play. Um, but there's, just, they, they have so many talented scorers that I think that they should be able to do what they need to do. Um. So I, I think Dallas Dallas should be able to take a game or two, but I think the Clippers will win this pretty decisively, I would think. Next up, I had some notes for Denver and Utah, but um, at the end of the day, I didn't think it was going to be too much of an issue for Denver just because, as I've said before, Utah's offense just looks – it does not look the same without uh Boyan Bogdanovich in there. There's a plane going overhead right now. I don't know if you guys can hear that either, but that was very distracting. Um I mean Donovan Mitchell just like he he's not an efficient enough shooter yet of, of three point or the mid range to the point where it, it hurts his driving a lot when he's really the only guy there and he's trying to do all the stuff that he likes to do. Um and and I just learned a couple minutes before I started the podcast that Mike Conley is leaving the bubble because his son is being born. Congrats to Mike Conley. But um, I mean, he'd been better in the bubble than he had been for a lot of the season. I think that was going to be a step forward in mitigating that loss of uh, Bojan Bogdanovic because he was playing better. He was going to be able to distribute the offense a little more, take some pressure off of Donovan Mitchell. And now he's gone too so, I mean, when you're now – now your next best offensive option is Jordan Clarkson. So, yeah, that – um not really feeling the jazz right now. Um, I, in Denver, I mean, obviously they're still missing Will Barton and Gary Harris a lot. But the Michael Porter Jr. thing has been, like, really, really weird. He just decided to come out and, like, be this incredible scorer that everyone, like, hypothetically thought he could be. But, like, it was just kind of like, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. So, I mean, he's there. That's huge for them, especially because Jamal Murray just came back. They have to work him back in and everything. Having that extra option that is actually like a very, very potent scorer, that completely changes the dynamic of this Denver team. I'd actually like to look at them a little more seriously now, just in terms of the broader future here. Um, now that I know that they have this asset, but yeah, I think they, they should beat the Jazz pretty comfortably. I'm not, I'm not too worried about, uh, that series and it sucks because nobody's probably going to watch it either because Denver and Utah, and I don't think the NBA is going to do too good a job of promoting that. Let me see. Actually, I wonder if they even put this on like a primetime thing or if it's on like NBA TV or something. Let me see. Da-da-da-da-da. Um, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun watching Michael Porter Jr. though, because I feel like it just kind of came out of nowhere. Everyone was like, "Oh, you know, he's in Michael's doghouse," and everything wasn't going to happen, and then it just it just did. Oh no, they actually put these games on ESPN. All right, good for good for the NBA supporting those small markets. How about that? All right, and last but not least, we have Houston versus OKC. I thought I was going to be able, actually. I'm going to end up like talking about the West less time for less time than I am the East. Somehow, I don't know how I did that, but um. The I was imagine I was, was going to talk a lot more about this specific matchup than I was. But the Westbrook injury complicates things. Um, and, you know, I'll I'll do my Houston, my Houston spiel again. Here we go. They relied. They just rely way too much on variance. Like you, you live by the three and you die by the three and there's no margin for error. They're, they already had no margin for error. It was essentially just Harden does his ridiculous Harden stuff where he scores 40 and it looks like he's not trying. And then everyone else just makes enough threes where they win the game by the skin of their teeth because their defense is also terrible. Um, But without Westbrook, it's going to be a lot harder for them, I feel like, because they need that offense needs a release valve because with the way Eric Gordon has played this season, it it, it could be easy in theory to just essentially double-harden wherever he goes and then force him to kick it out to somebody else and make them create a shot. Like you can have him do these... For You need someone to do those four-on-three matchups, and Westbrook is ideally suited for that because of his athleticism driving to the basket and whatnot. Um, Austin Rivers, I don't think, is really going to give you the same impact that Russell Westbrook does in regards to that. So, I mean, without... And we we don't know how long Westbrook's going to be gone, but I feel like it, even just a game or two is going to be enough for this team because the margin for error with them is already so thin. And now you're taking away the, the second option that really makes things work. I mean, we saw the last time harden led a team i mean because i mean he had chris paul these other times as a release valve um and the last time it was really just him as that sole like distributor of the offense i mean they were always kind of going by the skin of their teeth what was that 26 it was 2016 right that was the last time and i mean and they got their their defense was bad and i mean obviously harden plays much more much differently now but i mean his the the way their system has been built lately it's just it's hard when he's the only guy to play like consistent basketball, just because again, the, the variance and everything with the threes. Um, so that worries me a lot. Um, OKC should get plenty of boards. Um, I I guess I'll be curious to see what happens with Steven Adams, because again, he should basically be able to do kind of whatever he wants against these little dudes, but obviously he doesn't have a ton of moves or anything. And he could very well get just like stretched too thin on defense, having to guard PJ Tucker out on a three point line or something. But he should be able to get plenty of rebounds to give this Oklahoma City team a lot of chances. And I also think um, OKC has, they have a ton of guys to annoy Harden with. Um, And and again, nobody's going to stop Harden. I I mean, Harden has ascended to this level of offense where it, it it is something really unique in NBA history the way he just drives to the basket like so effortless so effortlessly but I mean you have Shea Gilgis-Alexander you have Dennis Schroeder you have Chris Paul like these guys are all going to be just pests against Harden and that's what you need you just need to keep wearing him down as much as you can when he's the only guy that's really going to be able to create his own shot at this point um Eric Gordon I can't he might not even be playing yet I don't I don't remember. Uh, Andre Roberson, if he gets into some shape, that's also huge for them. I, I'm not counting on him as, as an offensive contributor, obviously, but as a defensive guy, again, you just need as many of these guys to get hardened as possible, keep cycling them out, keep them fresh. And I also, I completely forgot about Nerlens Noel, another big body on the boards and say that Danilo Gallinari is tall enough. Like, I don't think Houston has a ton of guys that are really going to be able to, um, <clears throat> give him a lot of trouble. Just because he's so much bigger than some of those guys, um, so I, I really like if Westbrook played. I think I, w- I would give the edge to Houston just because when that offense when that offense clicks, I mean they're just ridiculous. But they need they need as much help as they can get, and without that, I just don't think they're going to be consistent enough to win against a, a a solid team like OKC. I don't think OKC is really going to get any farther than the the second round or anything. But I think they're they're a solid team, and if you make a ton of mistakes or just Poor and other aspects of your game, like they will take advantage of that. So I'm going to pick OKC for that. So those are my playoff predictions. So just to go over and review, I'm going with Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, uh, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, and Thunder. So not a ton of upsets there. Uh, I guess it's kind of, it's kind of lame to only think the think the only upsets are the four five. But I mean, when do we get those other kind of upsets all that often anyways? So, I'm really looking forward to this. This will be fun. Um, Starts what on Monday. I'm going to try and watch most of these games. I haven't decided yet the format I'm going to do for uh, for the playoffs. I would like to do some more consistent content, though. I might try and come up with like some categories, like stuff I like, stuff I didn't like. We'll see. Um, I was going to do a a, like a different kind of uh, segment, like just like its own separate show type thing, where I broke down like a ton of movies and stuff that I do in my film and television class but just based on the schedule that works and like kind of the, the effort that would go into that, I I wasn't able to get that done in time. I I probably will not end up doing it just as I was looking at my schedule more and more with, uh, for that class and everything. But um, I will try to do something at least once every other week for the playoffs. And then once we really get into like the other rounds and stuff, I'll put out content more consistently. So I'm looking forward to it. Just having like good competitive sports again. It'll be nice. So, Thanks for listening, guys. As always, SQ Podcast We be found on Apple Podcasts, Google bleh, <laughs> Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, anywhere else you can get your podcasts. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, rate us. Uh, leave a review. Uh, share us with your friends. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. I'll be back next week.